Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. If you're not already following me on social, be sure to do so at Dr. Wyatt Fisher. And if you want to improve your communication so that you have more love and less conflict, be sure to download my app, KTG, wherever you get your apps. So today I'm going to talk about when is it okay to compromise in a relationship? Compromise is a big deal. And it's a big issue for a lot of couples. So we're going to unpack it today, talk about when is it okay and how to do it. So number one, what is a compromise? By definition, you know that you're compromising with your partner when neither of you are getting what you want. It's not a compromise if one of you gets 100% what you want. That's not a compromise. So that's one way to think about a compromise. We know that we're compromising if neither of us are getting 100% what we want. That shows we each have moved off our original position by a few degrees to meet in the middle. That's how you know you're reaching a compromise. Number two, what makes it hard to compromise? This depends, and there's a lot of factors that can make it hard to compromise. For example, if you're raised and you're a single child, an only child, guess what? You're not used to sharing power. You don't have to compromise. You don't have another child in the family. You don't have a brother or a sister where you have to share who gets the front seat, or you have to share who gets to play with the toy, or you have to take turns who gets to sit at the special seat at the table. You don't have to take turns. Therefore, you get conditioned to getting things your way. Therefore, when you become an adult and you're in marriage, you probably bring that tendency with you. So it might be hard for you to share power and compromise because you never had to growing up. Another example of childhood is maybe you were raised in a home where your parent gave you a long rope. You had a lot of flexibility. You got to come and go as you pleased. You got to do what you wanted when you wanted. And because of that, you bring that style into your relationship, into your marriage, and now it's hard to compromise because you're used to doing things your way. This is my wife and me. She was raised as a single child, an only child, never had to take turns with anybody, never had to compromise. So she can sometimes struggle compromising with me. And I was raised with a really long rope. I had siblings but my mom was very permissive, and so I had a long rope, and so I got to do whatever I wanted when I wanted to. And so I also have struggled sharing power because that's my history. What about you? What's your history? How much has your history influenced how easy or hard it is for you to share power on decisions with your partner? Another example from our upbringing is maybe you're raised in a really strict home, an authoritarian parent. And therefore, you had to just do whatever you were told no matter what. So you didn't have a chance to develop your voice or your identity growing up because it was stifled because your parents were too strict. And what that does is as you get older, you enter into marriage and you may give up power too quickly and defer to your partner too often because you're used to doing whatever you're told to do. And so that's the other way our upbringing can influence us. So number three. What does it feel like with no compromise? There's actually been research done on this, and what the research shows is when we are feeling voiceless, when one or both partners are feeling voiceless, it tends to lead to harsher startups to conflict, which means more nasty fights because we're getting so frustrated, we're so fed up, and less sexual intimacy, which makes sense because we're feeling so negative toward our partner from not having a voice. So all of us as humans wanna feel like we have a voice that we have autonomy, 
that we can influence our environment, influence our relationship, influence our partner. And when we feel like that voice is cut off or turned off, we start to suffer and we start feeling unhealthy. We start feeling stifled. We start losing ourselves, And that's what leads to these harsh startups, these big blowups and less intimacy because we start feeling so negative in the relationship and toward our partner because none of us want to feel voiceless. All of us want to be in a relationship where we feel like what we think matters, where we feel heard, and where we feel like we can influence our partner. And as I mentioned, my wife and I have both struggled with this in different areas. There's been some areas in our marriage where she's been very strong-willed and unwilling to compromise. And I can remember what that feels like being really voiceless and feeling like no matter what I say or do, she's going to keep doing what she wants to do. And it made me feel so negative toward her and resentful. And it led to a lot of big fights for us because I was feeling so voiceless. There's been other times where the roles have been reversed and I was the strong-willed one and I didn't want to yield. And I kept doing what I wanted to do regardless of her opinion, regardless of her feelings. So my wife and I are both guilty of not compromising. And we've had to really work on this. And now we use the phrase, I don't feel like we're sharing power if either of us start not sharing power. So I can relate on a personal level and I know firsthand what it feels like to be voiceless, but I'm also guilty of the one who hasn't shared the power. So it's very easy to happen. It's been a personal growth area for us and we've gotten a lot better at it. We've had to work at it and be intentional, but we've improved and so can you. Number four is when should you compromise? You should compromise any time a decision is going to impact your relationship. And that's a lot of decisions. That can go from as big as how do we parent the kids? Or what are we going to eat for dinner? Or how warm or cold should we keep the house? Or how often should we have intimacy? The sky is the limit. How much should we spend on this vacation? How much should we be saving our money? There's so many micro and macro decisions that occur in a long-term relationship. And almost all of them impact your partner on one way or another. Therefore, that's the answer to this question. When is it okay to compromise? It's okay, and not even okay, but recommended to compromise on any decision that's going to impact you and your partner. Now, there's going to be some areas in your relationship where you may not care. You may not care about what the decision is. And in those moments, you can defer to your partner as long as you're not stuffing down what you really feel. And as long as your partner does the same for you, where they defer to you on certain categories. Because at the end of the day, the goal is both partners want to go to sleep, laying their head down on their pillow at night and thinking, I have an equal voice in this relationship. I can influence my partner. My voice matters in this relationship. You both want to feel that roughly 50-50 at the end of the day. And again, that's going to look different per couple, but you both want to feel that. So you may think you share power well. You may think that you're really great on compromising, but we all have a self-serving bias and we often have blind spots. So don't think you're great at this because maybe you're not. The thing you need to do is ask your partner, how well do you feel like I share power with you on decisions that impact us? How well do you feel like I share power with you on decisions that impact us? Ask your partner that question today and see what they say. Maybe they'll say, yes, you're amazing at that. Or they may say, you suck at that. <laughs> you need to work on that. That's a growth area because often I feel voiceless on the other side of you. 
ask for your partner's feedback in this area. And ideally, they would ask you feedback as well. Because again, this is a growth area for a lot of couples. And when a couple is not sharing power, the couple starts to suffer. So number five is how should you compromise? What should this look like? I developed a tool for this called Bounce the Ball. So if you think about sports, nobody loves a ball hog. Everyone hates a ball hog. A ball hog is someone who dribbles down the court and doesn't pass and shoots every time. And no one likes that because they're not being a team player. And that's why a lot of coaches have the rule where you have to bounce the ball, you have to pass the ball several times before someone can shoot to score. They have that rule in place so that no one is a ball hog. In marriage or in your relationship, you're a ball hog if you just announce the decision, you say what your opinion is, and you never ask your partner what they think. How often do you ask your partner, what do you think? What are your thoughts? What's your perspective on this? How do you land on this topic? Those kind of phrases invite your partner into the discussion. It invites them into the dialogue. It invites them into the sense of teamwork that we're going to dialogue about this together because we're a couple, we're a unit, we're a team. So the bounce the ball, what you do is partner A will say what they think on the decision and their value underneath that decision, why they think what they think. And then they're going to bounce the ball metaphorically by saying, what do you think? Then partner B is going to do the same. They're going to share what they think on the decision, the value that comes from for them, why they think what they think. Then they're going to bounce the ball back and say, what do you think? Now, at this point, this is where couples can get stuck because they'll just keep reiterating their original point. Don't do that. Instead, now partner A has to adjust their original position by a few degrees toward partner B and offer a compromise. And then they're going to bounce the ball and say, what do you think? Now, partner B has to do the same. They're going to come off their original position by a few degrees toward their partner and throw out a compromise and bounce the ball back and say, what do you think? Now, this is where the negotiation begins, because now as the ball keeps going back and forth, you can either accept the compromise if you feel OK with it, or you can offer a counter. And those counters are going to move a little bit more toward your partner one way or the other. And if both partners have a malleable spirit, if both partners are teachable, if both partners buy into this value of being a team player where we both have an equal voice, the bounce the ball method will work. It's just a matter of practicing because it's really an art form trying to find solutions that are a win-win. And remember, you know you've struck a compromise when neither partner is getting exactly what they want. So those are five steps to consider on when is it okay to strike a compromise in a relationship. Number one, what is a compromise? Number two, what makes it hard to compromise? Number three, what it feels like when there's no compromise? Number four, when should you compromise? And number five, how should you compromise? Thank you for listening to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. If you'd like to join me in my weekly live teaching, be sure to join my marriage bootcamp. The link is in the description. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. If you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.